The Toby Gribbon Show. Highlights. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Bruce Jennings is a philosopher and ethicist focused on healthcare, life sciences and environmental policy. He's written a book of poetry called What I Would Not Part With that reflects on his experiences as a caregiver and explores themes of loss and loneliness. And Bruce is on the line with us here. How are you today? Oh, very well. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Can you tell us a little bit about your personal journey that inspired you to write What I Would not part with well yes my uh, my wife we celebrated just before she died our 48 48th uh, wedding anniversary um so mm-hmm. she we spent a lifetime together and um of course everything was great uh you know in 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 terms of building a family and our careers were were excellent and i was doing something i loved to do she was a, a computer scientist a mathematician uh and she did stuff that she loved to do um but in uh in her 60s she developed a uh, what that's called a meningioma it's a brain tumor and she had it removed and we thought everything was fine and then uh it recurred it grew back uh, and it couldn't be surgically removed anymore and eventually it killed her because it put so much pressure on her brain. But uh, there was about five, six, seven years there where she sort of became increasingly disabled physically um, because of the tumor, but not mentally and cognitively. So she was declining and she was well aware of it. And I was her primary caregiver and we had people come in as needed, of course. But um, it was it was both a new experience for me and also an experience that I'd spent the preceding you know 40 years writing about and thinking about out and and studying, uh, you know, long-term care, end-of-life care in America. So how did that loss of your wife influence the themes and emotions that are explored in the book? Well, in, in a couple of different ways. Ethics, the kind of ethics that I do, biomedical ethics, uh, is really about um, human dignity, human caring, human solidarity, human interdependence, uh, autonomy, uh, happiness. Those are those are the concepts with which I worked and uh, wrote about. And then when my wife began to become disabled, um, I had to deal with those ideas and put them into practice. Part, partly she put them into practice, of course, but um, I had to help. And that was brand new. And so it was the first time I had ever really given hands-on care, even with my father and my mother and their their dying process. I hadn't had that role. But with her, I had to really um, help her with almost everything of the daily living. And that was a, a new experience. And I, I, I hope this isn't misconstrued. But doing that kind of care work, that bed and body work, 
uh, opened up a new kind of intimacy between us. Mm. And so I don't mean to leave the impression that this was entirely lost, entirely negative, entirely sadness. It was all of those things, but it was also a kind of new discovery. And I think I did a really good thing by being present, by being with her, even though I couldn't do anything about her progressive disease. Yeah. Uh, I, I could be there. And that's primarily what I was. And that's what I take with me since her death. Because you had that time with her before her death, did that make the grieving easier? Because you knew that at some point she would pass away. It maybe wasn't as much of a shock as it would be otherwise. Well, I think the answer is, is probably yes. I feel that, you know, in my heart. Um, in, the, in the poems that I wrote, I talk about grief uh, s several times, but I don't treat grief as a bad thing. I don't treat it as an, an, an enemy that I have to struggle against. Like, you know, you would say, uh, well, I have this terrible depression, I have to struggle against it. But I don't treat grief that way. I kind of personify grief as an advisor, as somebody who whispers in my ear at, at the day of my wife's death and whispers in my son's ear on the same day and, and comes back and talks to me from time to time. Um, so, grief is an advisor and grief tells me, and this is the title of the collection of poems, um, what I would not part with. Um, and, and I take it from a line from a poem by Robert Frost. And grief in my poems keeps telling me um, what you would not part with, you should keep. And that's what I have tried to do. And that's helped me with my, with my grieving and bereavement. Um, she is gone in many ways, but she's still with us, with me in other ways. Um, not quite so material material and physical as before, but a, a presence in my life and in my, through my memory and in my life and in the life of my son and his family, um, which keeps her there. And uh, that's the way I feel. And I try to experience, I try to explain that or not explain, I try to articulate that in several of the poems in the collection that people can be, can be less with you in some ways when they die, but more with you in others. And in your book, you mentioned that loss and grief are constant companions as you walk among the trees. What does that actually mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, pretty much what I tried to just say a minute ago. Uh, yeah. Grief is always with me. It's not something that you can vanquish. It's not something you can banish. But the being with me is not torture. It's not It's not uh, hurting me. It's not, uh, you know, interfering with my life. If anything, um, I try to uh, honor my wife's life and her memory by carrying on uh, myself. And I think that I don't give up. I don't fall into a, a deep, you know, funk and, and isolate myself. Um, and people might say, well, are you even sad? You know, and, and I say, of course I'm sad. It's just that uh, the best way for me to to stay with her or for her to stay with me is for me to keep keep on keeping on. And can you share some examples from the book that highlight the surprising emergence of new life and continued being and doing? Well, yes. Let me say about, about the book of poems. Um, there's about uh, 50 poems in the book, I think, total, something like that. And... Uh, 
um, I had written them uh, mostly, almost except for one or two. I wrote them during my wife's illness and uh, after her death. So within the last, you know, 10 years, those poems were written. And then when I started to sort of sort them out, I began to see a trajectory. If I organized them in a certain sequence, first poem to last poem, I would tell a story about my relationship and my life together with her. And so I started um, with her death and the day of her death. But then I go back to early in our marriage and several poems about us as young people um, and then people in middle uh, middle age and careers and having a, ch a child and so forth and so on. So it kind of builds and there's different facets of the relationship that I've had with her when she was alive. And then the last part of the book turns to the chronic illness phase when I take care of her. And then finally, after she dies, what do I make of myself after she dies? Um, and how do I keep carrying on? So I didn't really plan this at the beginning, but when I started to think about it and put the poems together in that way, I think each poem stands alone and says a thing, yeah. <laughs> uh, an insight. Um, but if you read them all in the, in sequence, I think you'll see that there's an arc of a, of a storyline there. The storyline of a marriage, the storyline of a relationship. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from noom like evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds salads generally for most people are the easy button right for me that wasn't an option i never really was a salad guy that's just not who i am but noom worked for me get your personalized plan today at noom.com real noom user compensated to provide their story in four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Which wasn't always um, loving and caring and perfect by any means. Uh, there's some pretty rough poems there in the middle of the book, um, but we got through it. And uh, so that's what I, I feel like I have achieved. And I could uh, I could take a moment to read a, a portion of one of the poems that maybe gives you an example of that. But, um, you know, it's up to you. Yeah, that would be good. Okay, let me let me let me pull one out. I'll just, I'll just pull 
pull one out that I call, it's not very long, but I'll just read the whole thing. Yeah. It's called The Irony of Loneliness. And this is sort of in the, uh, the late uh, part of the book when uh, she's gone and I'm trying to cope. Um, the Irony of Loneliness. Once, long ago, just gazing at my wife, more lovely than I had ever imagined a wife of mine would be, I would undress her with my mind, taking her body out and putting it where I wanted it to be. She would notice that and remark on the futility of my intent, but I could imagine her smile. Now she's gone. I see in the closet the blouses, dresses, lingerie I once removed, and now I redress her with my mind, putting her body back into where it once belonged. Then I notice and remark to myself, who else, on the irony of loneliness, and I can imagine her smile. Wow, that's quite powerful. Thank you. I, I <laughs> I feel that way myself. <laughs> Is there a particular message or insight that you hope readers will take away from the book generally? Oh, well, um, generally, I think that the the most important thing... Uh, if you can manage it in your life, is fidelity and uh, presence. Um, if you're very lucky, as I have been, you will have a partnership uh, and the partnership will be enduring and it will be actually, there's a there's a sort of a scientific ecological word, symbiosis. I don't know if anybody <laughs> has heard that word, but symbiosis means essentially depending on each other. Um, two different beings that depend on each other and help each other. Um, I feel that what you should strive for in a relationship, despite its daily ups and downs, its angers, its its harsh words that you wish you hadn't said and want to take back, um, despite all that, if you have a symbiosis, if you have a companion, if you have a connection, uh, you will, I think, live well and be together well. When you were writing this book, did it help you in your healing process? And was it quite cathartic? Yes, 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 I, I, I do. I believe that. It was cathartic. It was uh, um, very therapeutic, very beneficial for me because uh, I could stop sort of thinking about the superficial things, the things where you find pain, suffering, sadness, uh, etc., and try to go deeper in the nature of my life together with her and my experience and interpret my, my own lived experience by going deeper and making it, as it were, more philosophical. A lot of readers might think, oh, this is kind of hard to follow and this is awfully abstract. Uh, I hope they'll think twice about that because I believe that the way I did it, trying to go deeper beyond the superficial pain and hurt, um, I actually uh, became more concrete, more sensuous, more existential and more real uh, about the some of the, just a few of the episodes in our life together and then maybe some enduring lessons that I just tried to mention for over the long haul and even after one's death one's partner's death uh the rest of your life you're going to be in some at some points reliving that symbiotic relationship that you once had perhaps you'll find a second one depends but you'll never lose or have to part with the memory and the the love of that original partnership yeah and what advice would you give to those who are maybe dealing with loss or grief themselves well give it time um, I found it helpful at the very beginnings, very shortly after my wife's death, to lose myself in the activity, a rather complicated one. This 
was at the height of COVID, um, of organizing a, a Zoom memorial service for my wife, which we did about a, got, and, and had that about a month after she died. And um, to, to do that busy work and make phone calls and line people up and invite some people to speak, all of that stuff, I, you know, I would, I would lose myself the way when I'm writing, I sort of lose what track of what time it is. I kind of lost myself from my grief then, and it helped. And then I'd go back and I'd sit in the evening and I'd think, and that was uh, maybe not the best thing to do, but <laughs> you see what I mean? So you, you've got to get busy right away with something important and meaningful and concrete. Um, come together with your, with your kids if you can. Uh, I have had a wonderful relationship with our only son, my son, and uh, we, we never have been that close uh, as compared with the way he was with his mother. But after her death, he and his family sort of rel- uh, circled the wagons around me and helped me and were much more present for me. And that was extremely helpful. And I like to think that it was good for him as well. Um, uh, I think so. I haven't yet really directly discussed these kinds of things with him. Yeah, I'll get around to it eventually. Well, are you working on any more books at the moment? Well, yes, I yes, I am. I, I have written a lot of books that are scholarly academic books about bioethics and so forth and public health ethics. And I have written a good deal about climate change, environmental ethics. And I have books uh, in those subject matter areas that are in the work. Some of one of them, there are three of them. One of them is under consideration by a, uh, a university press and the others are almost ready to be submitted. So I'm doing that. As far as poetry is concerned, uh, of these 50 poems, that I published here, the, the first thing, first time I published a poetry book, I actually have probably about 300. Um, and so if you take 100 of them and throw them out on grounds of poor quality, you still, I still probably have a couple of volumes of poetry ahead of me. And I am seriously going to pursue that for sure. Um, I think I have to get my academic university press book uh, under contract first, and then yeah. I, I can turn back to poetry. In the meantime, this book is called What I Would Not Part With, and where are all the places that it's available to purchase? Well, I, th- there may be more than I even uh, know about as yet, but it's it's available in different formats on uh, Amazon.com. Um, you get a Kindle, you get a hardback, uh, cover, uh, yes, a paperback cover, a an uh, an audio book, um, and it's also available from Barnes and Noble. It's also a bit available, as I understand it, from Google Books and also uh, from iBooks. Um, I'm not sure if all of those have all of the all of the formats or platforms, but you can certainly get um, uh, the audio and the uh, soft cover and and the hard cover. I believe at all of those all of those uh, outlets. Sounds good. Well, many thanks. Thanks for talking to us today. It's been great to have you here. Well, thank you for inviting me. I really appreciate the opportunity to uh, to speak about these things. Uh, I hope I uh, wasn't too uh, confused and r- I didn't ramble too much. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Throbbing pulse of sound The Toby Gribben Show 